Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. It's Michael Martin. Thank you for being here. So someone sent me an email about, you know, what do you think about this quote that's attributed anyway to Warren Buffett that he doesn't know any rich technicians, right? Uh, folks who use charts, technical analysis. And I've thought about this quite, quite a bit, so I'll answer it publicly. I think he's putting you on, right? He knows everybody. He's the lender of last resort. He knows everyone on planet Earth. So let's just say he knows Tudor Jones and he knows George Soros, two guys who I know use technical analysis in their own trading to some degree. Obviously, they have wealth beyond measure. But I, th I think this, this quote throws into sharp relief something that I think many people might be missing about charting in general is that it's not to sniper in to figure out the best entry point. To me, in the way I think, in my way of thinking, the chart tells you most importantly where you're wrong. Because I don't care if you're levering your portfolio for a thousand percent or if you're trading cash for, you know, 15 to 25 percent for all I care. It's really up to you and what you think your money should be doing for you, right? The chart, if you simply, if you keep it super, super simple and you're not drawing lines, you're not drawing useless channels, which is completely useless, and you just keep it so simple, you're looking at support and resistance. I mean, in my way of thinking, that's all you need. Your job is to play superior defense, right? You need to be able to come back to play tomorrow. And the chart will tell you where you're wrong. And that's really important information right? Because you have to think of yourself as the head coach of a sports team where there's two different types of players. There's offense and there's defense, right? In baseball, you have a batting order. I guess that's the offense part. Then the defense is who are the position players and who, who will pitch and catch. Football is probably a better, American football is probably a better analogy because you really have two sets of teams on one team. You have the offensive players and then you typically have a whole set of 11 folks who come out and play defense. And you need to know who's in control of the instrument that you're trading at any given time. The chart tells you that. The reasons why a price goes up or down, you know, can kind of be understood generally speaking. But I haven't met anybody who's so super smart that can tell you on any particular day, you know, it's a reaction to the news. When you're looking at longer term movements, it's a little bit harder. Because over periods of time, you have a whole new cast of characters who are coming in. It's like living in New York City. Who's there? Well, the folks who live in Manhattan, then you have the bridge and tunnel crowd, and then you have the tourists, right? So likewise with a stock or an instrument that you're trading, the nature of who the buyers and sellers might be at any given time can change. And I think that's very, very difficult. It was probably a little bit easier back when I started because you, you could be a tape reader, right? And you could see size go by. You could use your level two. Things were a lot cleaner when stocks traded in eighths, for example. It's a little more difficult now because the things that you used to get arrested for and thrown out of the business, like painting the tape, were you'd put your whole career at risk for doing that kind of stuff. Anyway, it is not a dig on Warren Buffett. You know, I admire the guy probably as much as anybody else. Um, there was a lot of wind in his sails, given the economy and given where America was, but he still put up the numbers and those are irrefutable. 
think he's a wise guy. I think he's missed the boat on a few things too. I don't think anyone is infallible. But I think when he speaks specifically to technical analysis, he's not speaking to the point where you're using technical analysis to play superior defense. And in, again, in my, my school of thought, a trader's job is to play superior defense. There's a million ways you can probably make money. But if you take a catastrophic hit, right, if you blow up, if that's what that means, you put yourself in a bad spot in two, two, two levels. Obviously, the financial one is you're down who knows what. What's a blow up? 40%, 50% or more. If you're using leverage, you can amplify that and get to that spot quicker if you want to feel those feelings. Wink, wink. Um, but I think for most people, you want to consider that what happens to you emotionally when you get hit like that. It always seems like a surprise attack or a black swan because it's something that you hadn't thought of. Now, there's a million ways to lose money, just like there's a million ways to make money. But one thing you can see when you look at the chart is where is the support? And if the support gets broken after that point, you're kind of, you're changing, your odds change a lot when that happens. So your methodology has to incorporate what to do at those moments in time. So let's go through an example and spell this out a little bit more. I'm at the five, about the five and a half minute mark here, so I want to try to keep it under 10 minutes. Let's say that you were super bullish on Tesla, right? And you didn't get stopped. I'm going to call up the chart while I'm speaking here. And you didn't get stopped at 822, which was probably the first sign of weakness, or at 800 back on, I think it was January 29th, right? That was the first time it really traded through the day before you were at 801. So if you took things out there, just kind of saying, hey, I smell smoke, I assume a five alarm fire. Good for you. You probably have good instincts. I would hone that because that was on January 28th, traded to a low of 801. The next day we traded sub 800. And if you get stopped at 800, what happens? Of course, it rallies in your face to make you feel like a complete jackass. Welcome to the club. But then if you wait another week or two, the thing finally blows through and you trade to a low of 539.49 on March 5th, right? We're kind of pushing those prices in today's day and age. Um, but let's see what happens, right? So you're putting this trade on and for God's sake, you're still in it. So what happens? Well, whatever your quantity was, you're, you could have been down over 200 a share. But something else happens in that moment of time. Because now you've delegated your power to a bunch of other people. You had every opportunity to stop your equity, but something happened emotionally in you that stopped you from doing what would have been prudent or pragmatic, which is to either keep your losses small or not let or to step out of the trade, right, when you have a turnover. And that's when you have offensive players having to play defense. And they're typically not skilled at playing defense. Of course, there was a time earlier in their life, perhaps Pop Warner in high school or college, that they played both ways. Both ways means they played the entire game, basically, except for perhaps special teams. They were both on offense and they were defense. I was a center, so 
it was too risky for me to go both ways, as they would say. Uh, but many of my colleagues who played, like, for example, the guy who was left guard was also the nose, the nose guard on our defense. He was great. Um, childhood friend of mine, known him my whole life. Um, same, the same thing with the, uh, most of the other linemen were actually played both ways. They were that good. But I did point after touchdown. I snapped for the punt. We had a shotgun, and we had a ball control offense. And so we didn't really have someone else who could step in and do all those features or functions if I got hurt. And uh, anyway, not getting off the subject here. You, you delegate your responsibility to a group of other people at that point to think that they're going to save you and bounce the stock and it rallies back up so that you feel good. So a whole lot of stuff happens at that moment in time, though, in that when you delegate that, you must have an awful lot of trust in the crowd. I myself do not, but you can do what you want. So the other thing is the opportunity cost, and this is where things get super expensive. So not only are you losing money on a position, for example, right, or you're giving back more gains than you should because you didn't stop your equity. I'm not talking about taxes either because I can't let a tax situation or a tax strategy overcome risk management, right? Risk management is job number one, even if you're an investment advisor. And if you have to be very, very active, then you have to be active. Like taxes are not your problem. So get out of that racket. That's a bunch of bullshit if I ever heard it. And when would you let a CPA start managing your portfolio anyway? What do they know about running money? They spend their lives looking backwards. So don't, don't delegate your power when you're sitting at the head of the table or you should be sitting at the head of the table. So now you have, I don't want to call it dead money because the money can be back in your account in the form of cash with the click of a button, right? So it's not necessarily dead. You turn it dead by lack of action. So now you have other names out there, other instruments. Doesn't matter to me what they are. Maybe you are eyeballing the crypto market. Maybe you're, you know, who knows what it could be. But there's opportunity cost. So now you're in a spot where you're not making as much as you could have. You might even be down net net on the position. And by waiting for the thing to come back because you've delegated the responsibility to the crowd who doesn't know you, who doesn't know you're in the position, and if they did, they wouldn't care. That's a tough spot to be in when you need to be a leader, right? You've turned yourself now into a follower. And that's a confusing place to be. So you free your mind up of all of that crap by just putting your stop in and letting it get hit. It's not that it's good or bad. It just is the way it is. You don't want to get hung up and saying, oh, I could have made more or I should have lost less. You need to pick a spot for your protective stop where you know or you can see at that particular, I'll call it an inflection point, right? Even though it might not be at a max or a min, right, a, con a change in concavity, you can still say that the breakout below support, the breakdown, if you will, is a key, a key spot. Call it an inflection point. When now you're coming through a trading range and if you look through, I guess the best point here would be on or around February 26th, if you're looking at the Tesla chart, that would be the last moment in time when things were trading above eight for quite some time. I could actually since, since, well, since February 16th, it hasn't been back there since. 
Everything else that happens after that is on you, right? And that is not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it's a responsibility that you have to yourself. And you have to think, like Tesla will come and go. You have to remember there were names that traded in the 90s that don't even exist anymore that you could have made a lot of money with, but they either went out of business, they were acquired, or who knows what. And the trade came and went, and you wrote it, and you surfed it like a wave. So, again, this goes back to Warren Buffett. I don't necessarily believe him when he says that. I'm not calling him a liar. I don't think that's the truth, but I do think it's kind of tongue-in-cheek is really what I think it's about here. And you know my style. When have I ever thrown crap at somebody? It's not my nature, right? What do I know? We're all on a growth plan some way at different rates of acceleration and, and, and velocity. And we're all kind of in this together so we can share these ideas. But I think if I can borrow his phrase and say, look, you need the charts to know when you're wrong or to know when it's time to put the defense on the field. Certainly take the offense. If the offense means you have risk on, then the defense means you need to remove that risk. You have to be defensive, at least for that particular name. And the minute you start looking at narrative, you've lost your objectivity. You're starting to fall in love with the name or with the promise. And that head fakes you out of your job, which is to play superior defense. Right? Unless, of course, you're a 20, 30-year long-term investor, then this conversation means pretty much nothing for you. It might be interesting just to get some perspective. But at the end of the day, I don't care if you're looking for commodity corporation-style returns that were well into several thousand percent a year. I don't care if you're you know, trading stocks using Reg T or other types of leverage that are afforded to you during the day, during the week, depending on your account size and this and that. Your job, if you want longevity, and think about this long and hard, it's not necessarily the names that make you money. Your gains will only look like gains to the extent that you keep your losses small or smaller. So you have to play superior defense. You might want to be Joe Montana. You might want to be the best running back in the game. But Lawrence Taylor is going to keep you right in the game. Because for all the points that you're going to score on the field, you need somebody who's going to stop the other folks from scoring. And in this case, it's drawdown, right? You need to sidestep the drawdown. And the chart allows you to see very, very clearly when your idea is not necessarily wrong from a fundamental standpoint, but for that moment in time, the, the, uh, the powers that be have lost faith in the name that you're in. So keep that in mind. It's a good question. I appreciate you reaching out. If you're new to the show, uh, you can get a free copy of the Inner Voice of Trading audiobook for free. It's over at Martin Chronicle. Help yourself. Thanks for being here. I will see you tomorrow.